The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. How is everybody on this beautiful uh, September 5th, 2020, Labor Day weekend? Wow, man. It, it's I, I don't know about where you guys are, but here in San Antonio today, it is... Uh, uh, it's hot and humid, but it's uh, supposed to, I mean, we're actually supposed to get some fall weather later in the, in the week, next week. Um, the temperature is actually going to dip down, okay, that's the word I'll use, dip down into the mid-80s. <laughs> you know, we've been, uh, we've been uh, in the high 90s and sometimes into the hundreds uh, the past uh, few weeks, so um, the 80s do, fi- do sound like uh, s- sweater weather. <laughs> to us. Well, welcome, my friends. Welcome to the show today. We've got a great, um, uh, a great lineup again for you. Uh, it, you know, it, so much has been happening over the past week that uh, sometimes it's very, very difficult to gather up the high points and talk about them, uh, while at the same time, uh, it, it, you know, get uh, uh, have time for the guests. But um, let me first tell you who our guests are. And then uh, we'll run through some uh, through through some uh, uh, news items. We have first of all, uh, we've got my um, we've got a couple of new young young folks, uh, new folks uh, that I interviewed this past week. Um, there was a rally, a uh, a uh, pro police number one, pro police number two, a uh, pro Trump rally. Uh, in San Antonio's Deep South Side. Now, please understand that when I talk about San Antonio's Deep South Side, I am talking about an area that is dominated, dominated by Democrat Hispanics. I mean, the, this is a place where you, you, know, you, you find the political bosses. They are there, you ta- they take care of you, you take care of them, and everything is happy. But it's also a place typical of of, uh, of uh, ethnic uh, racial ghettos, and yeah, I'll use that phrase, uh, where uh, you know poverty is uh, is rampant, where uh, low to middle low uh, income is uh, is the way of life. Small businesses uh, or large businesses that uh, are in uh, large tracts, but mostly small mom and pop businesses. And uh, the uh, political bosses, the Latino, Hispanic, whatever you want to call them, uh, bosses, they take care of people. Well, you know, there are big cracks in, uh, in, in that Hispanic Democrat wall. Uh, there, were, there, there was this, this rally this past week uh, that uh, was fantastic, fantastic. And I uh, asked a couple of folks... Uh, one of the organizer, Jacinto Martinez, and uh, another gentleman uh, who is a blogger, uh, Javier Salazar, to um, please come on our show and talk about uh, the event and what they're doing, why they're doing it. Uh, you know, an ethnic community rallying behind the police, that's unique. But when you see Trump flags beginning to wave, that's really, you know, that really catches your eye. So we're going to be talking with Jacinto Martinez and uh, Javier Salazar first. Uh, next, we've got uh, a very good friend of mine, um, Jeff Judson. Jeff Judson is going to be talking to us about, uh, he's written a letter, a very, very powerful letter, to the uh, uh, governor of Texas, to Greg Abbott, regarding the whole, the handling of the COVID crisis. Uh, Jeff, uh, you know, lays out some very, very interesting uh, comments, some very, very interesting points about why the uh, the doggone uh, state is uh, saddling up and 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 uh, restricting uh, the economy. Uh, 
Uh, you know, you know, my friends, if, if you really want to see the, the the ridiculousness of this whole situation, uh, all you have to do is walk into a restaurant here in here in town, and um, here in San Antonio, and, and and you, while you're sitting at your table, you don't have to wear your mask. When you're walking around, that's when you have to wear your mask. Now, any time that you go to a to a store, to a grocery store, you have to wear a mask as well. And if you notice the type of masks that people are wearing, some of these masks, my friends, are for fashion rather than uh, for health. They really are. These are not uh, these are not uh, masks, face masks that do anything other than uh, they're a fashion statement. And so we've got to ask ourselves, myself, you know, what is this about? What are we doing? So uh, Jeff will be will be talking to us about that. Our final guest is uh, Mr. Dave Ray uh, from Fair. Uh, Dave's a regular contributor to our program. Dave uh, is going to be chatting with us about this situation, my friends. Uh, I mean, we talk we're talking a lot about law and order, about the police, the effort to abolish the police, the effort to undermine the police, left and right. Well, here we've got a situation, my friends, in California where the sheriff, the Los Angeles County Sheriff, actually has uh, stopped working and cooperating with, with ICE. Consequently, murderers, rapists, all sorts of, of, of criminals have been released because they have not been held in detention for ICE to come and pick them up. The other thing is that there is a lack of cooperation with ICE on the street. So uh, if, if there is a, uh, a felon that's picked up, or a, you know somebody that committed a misdemeanor, even that, but uh, if there is a felon that's picked up, there, the police, uh, or, sheriff, or should I say the sheriff's deputies, are not under any obligation to uh, call ICE. In fact, they get in trouble if they call ICE. So uh, we're going to be chatting about that. I mean, uh, uh, there have. Uh, can you believe that the uh, uh, Los Angeles County De- Sheriff's Department has ignored, ignored over 25,000 federal requests for detention? 25,000. That is 25,000 individuals that have not been turned over to, uh, to ICE. 25,000 illegal alien criminals. That have not been turned over. I don't know about you. It doesn't sit very well with me. So speaking of that, uh, let me give you some uh, some news. And I guess the the, the top one that I want to start with is this outrageous situation that we had with Miss Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. Uh, you know, once again, my friends, it shows the hypocrisy of Democrats and their inability, complete and total inability, to accept responsibility. I mean, uh, the past few months, we've heard them being, we've heard them uh, blame President Trump for the riots in their back in, in their communities in their cities, for the mismanagement of cities. You know, they want the bailout, they want the COVID money, so that they can uh, correct, so that they can fix their budgets. Well, my friends, they put themselves in that situation. And, you know, they blame, I mean, the, the latest one with Biden walking around blaming Trump for uh, the high crime rate. Oh, my gosh. You know, the high taxes, the debt. Hey, it's incredible. I mean, they blame, they take no responsibility for their own actions. Now, Speaker Pelosi, uh, she's been caught on film. She was caught red-handed on film, not wearing a mandatory mask and breaking a local city health health law. That's what they did. She was caught red-handed. So what was her response? What has been her response? She goes on TV the next day, my friends, and she blames the stone, stone uh, the store owner, the salon owner. She blames her and claims that she was set up. All I can tell you, my man, I don't know, I don't know if, how many of you, uh, you know, are, are old enough to remember, but back in 19, uh, in, in um, 1990, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Marion Barry, was caught in a motel, in a motel sting. She, he was caught not only buying the crack cocaine, but smoking it. He was caught on tape, okay? His response was, they set him up. 
That was his response. Never mind, I mean, again, no responsibility that he himself went out to solicit buying the crack cocaine and went to the situation, to the, uh, to the motel to buy the, the, the crack cocaine and then smoked it. But no, 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 he turns around and he says it's not his fault. And then, of course, you remember uh, the, the famous uh, situation with, our, with President Clinton in the, uh, in, in the White House, that he did not have sex with that woman. Okay, all right, no problem. And then his wife, running around for the last four years, uh, upset that, uh, you know, she didn't lose, she didn't really lose the, uh, the election, uh, that it was, it was the Electoral College that lost it. <laughs> I, you know, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's like, that's like a football team saying, well, we didn't, uh, we didn't really allow, allow them to make a touchdown. They just kept making a lot of first downs until they got to the goal line <laughs> or until they got into the end zone. I, it's incredible. It is incredible that these, that, that, that uh, you know, Pelosi blamed the store owner. Democrats, my friends, across the board, they seem to be unable to accept responsibility for their actions, even when they are caught red-handed. Now, I ask you, I ask you very, very sincerely, how can you trust? How can you trust and have confidence in someone that uh, refuses to accept responsibility like that? How can you trust them? How can citizens have have confidence that these people are going to make life and death, yes, life and death make uh, decisions. I mean, that's what it amounts to. Pelosi and the other Democrats, my friends, they do believe that they are above the law. They do. They believe that there's a different standard for them because they are special. They do. You know, one of the things that, that Democrats and progressives and everyone needs to understand that the law should not change according to, to status, according to race, according to ethnicity, according to income, for any reason. The law should never change. We are all under obligation. Otherwise, we do have double standards. So, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that, that's all I, I can say about that situation with Nancy Pelosi. The other situation that I want to talk about real quick is um, this one with, with regarding the, the, uh, what I call the latest attack on law enforcement. And this one has to do with men, the mentally ill in law enforcement, my friends. There have been a couple of instances, in, in fact, uh, incidents. In fact, one here in, in San Antonio in Bear County where law enforcement has uh, shot and killed a, um, a mentally uh, ill person. Someone who was out of control, someone who was threatening, and someone uh, in the in the case here in San Antonio in in, in uh, Bear County, they had a, they had a weapon. They had a weapon, and the person was shot and killed. There was another person that was uh, recently uh, uh, the uh, example or the the incident came came to light regarding uh, how uh, they had been running down the the uh, street. Uh, in uh, some community up north uh, running down the street naked and they had uh, been arrested. My friends, let me tell you real quick before we, we, we go to our uh, first interviews that the, the news attack on law enforcement regarding the interaction of with, with mentally ill people, you know, again, the criticism of the day, deaths, it has, to me, it has more to do with their uh, with, with the news media, the progressives, it has more to do with them wanting to punish law enforcement than anything else. That's what it has to do. It has nothing to do. The mentally ill problem, my friends, is a failed progressive policy. They're the ones that forced all of these folks uh, to be released because they were doing fine while they were on medications. They are released, they stop medi taking medications, and then what? The other thing is, at what point does the person who stops taking medications and the family of that person, where is the responsibility for them? Where is that responsibility? You know, if a person uh, has violent behavior, shouldn't you alert not only the, the, the hospital, but also the police? You have an obligation. If somebody's acting weird and, and, and threatening, 
to do something about it. You know, don't wait until the crisis when the police are there. So anyway, uh, I really, you know, I, I feel like I need to make some more comments about that at a later time. But uh, for now, my friends, once again, George Rodriguez, Seth Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM. We'll be right back with our first interview, my friends. Thank you for being with us. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 9.30 a.m. The Answer. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got a new friend of ours, uh, Mr. Jacinto Martinez. And Jacinto, I met him on Saturday. Uh, at a rally that he put together for uh, the police, of all things, a pro-police officer, uh, pro-Trump event. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it was fantastic. I thought it was really, really great. So I wanted to get him on here and chat a little bit about that rally uh, because it was right in the heart of the Democrat Hispanic community. Jacinto, thank you for being with us. Tell me about the rally. What uh, what inspired you? Why did you want? Why did you put it on? And what did you think? Uh, you know, what was your observation of it? Oh, our number our number one reason for putting it on was to support law enforcement. That's the number one thing, just to let the law enforcement know in our area that we got their back, that we are big supporters, and uh, what they do for us is uh, something that's very well appreciated, and. Um, you know, in these times where these uh, mayors and city council people want to defund the police and, uh, you know, put a lot of restrictions on them, we wanted to let them know that, you know, we appreciate what they do for us and we have their back and we want to show them support. Yeah, it was, uh, I was very, very impressed, uh, Jacinto. I was really impressed with uh, the response. And again, like I told the folks, this was in the heart of uh, traditional Hispanic Democrat neighborhoods. And I was really impressed with the response. Uh, do you think we got, uh, you know, uh, a message across? I think we did. I mean, we had an amazing response. We had tons of people show up, uh, everybody showing up. You know, I really didn't make this a, I know you said pro-Trump rally. It wasn't really a Trump rally. It was more of a law enforcement rally. I kind of opened it up to whoever wanted to come out. But as you saw out there, there was nothing but Trump supporters. And that just kind of goes to show you who the side uh, that's backing the law enforcement really is. I mean, these guys came out, uh, I mean, full force with all their Trump flags and their law enforcement flags. And, you know, I opened it up to whoever wanted to come out here and support law enforcement. And those are the people that showed up. I mean, it was an amazing response uh, from the community. Uh, I mean, we drove up and down the streets, people honking at us, people waving at us. I mean, we had no negative response. We had no BLM. BLM uh, people show up, no Antifa guys. I mean, it was a nice, peaceful, and awesome event. Uh, we had, a, we were able to show our support to law enforcement, and we were able to show uh, that the silent majority is, uh, is, is is standing up. The Southsiders are a silent majority. I mean, they, these these are forgotten parts of San Antonio, but you know, you saw the amount of people that showed up, and and, and these were all Southsiders. Do you think uh, you know you, there 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 will be more? Uh, events like this, do you think this uh, this uh, will grow? The support for the law enforcement will grow. 
I'm hoping that we do put on some more events. We've actually been been in talks, uh, you know, to try to do some other stuff. We've been approached by several different people that saw the event and loved the way it turned out for us to put some something together, another event together, uh, to be able to show law enforcement support and also to be able to come out and do a, tr- a pro-Trump rally and uh, organize some of the uh, Southsiders that are standing up and, and are tired of, of, of the way they're being treated and the way they're being uh, forgotten about and, uh, and 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 these people are standing up and saying something and they, we're no longer going to be a, a silent group out here you know it's no longer going to be someone uh, a part of town that's forgotten you know we are standing up and doing what we got to do to make our voices heard excellent Jacinto I couldn't say I, I you know I couldn't say enough uh, compliments to uh, to the effort and to what you guys did uh, I really, you know, we, we uh, want to keep uh, in touch, and I certainly want to be as supportive as I can to, uh, to, your, uh, to your events. Uh, thank so, you very much. Thank so, you very much, and I really appreciate you coming out. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, we've been talking with uh, our good friend Jacinto uh, Martinez, who uh, organized a uh, pro-law uh, enforcement event on Saturday, and uh, we'll keep you posted uh, as more events happen. Thank you very much, Jacinto. George Rodriguez on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio. And we've got another uh, guest who was at the uh, rally last Saturday, Mr. Javier Salazar. And Javier uh, is a fellow Laredoan uh, from Laredo, Texas, uh, my birthplace. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because... Not only was he there in attendance at the uh, rally, but he was also he is also a podcaster, and I want to uh, chat with him real quick about that issue too. So, Javier, welcome to the show. Tell us what did you think about uh, this uh, rally that took place right in the heart of uh, Latino Democrat country? Uh, George, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I want to say that it was a, it was a success. I remember showing up. I didn't know how the attendance was going to be. The participation was really good. You had maybe about, you know, about 70 people show up. You know, people were there in their cars. And then, I, I, like, I, I noted on my podcast that people were there actually being uh, positive. I didn't see anything negative. People were honking. Uh, it was good to see people participating and backing up law enforcement. Uh, you had all these different types of people. You had, you know, some Trump supporters. You had uh, people who were running for office. Uh, but everybody was there to back the, the, the men and women of law enforcement. So it was good to see that. And uh, uh, a shout-out to Jacinto Martinez. I mean, he's the one who organized it. It, went, it was very well organized. And also a shout-out to our Armor of God. There were the motorcycle club that actually participated, who, who handled the, the security for our, our parade, you know. So, I mean, it, it was a success. And it, it was good to see people in the south side that they were actually, um, you know, were actually honking. And we're actually, you know, it was a positive experience. And I was, I was really impressed, George. Yeah, the response from the people that uh, we saw uh, that, uh, you know, saw us, uh, you know, by far was, was very, very positive. Lots of um, uh, thumbs up, lots of waving and smiling. It was very, very good. There's, there's a lot of honking. Yeah, really, there was. Uh, <laughs> so, Javier, tell us, tell us about the podcast, because... Uh, one of the things that uh, again came uh, has come to light this past week is uh, the great deal of uh, of distrust that Americans have for the mainstream media. And you, as a podcaster, uh, what uh, what are you trying to accomplish with your podcasts? Okay, first of all, the, our podcast is called. I do this the podcast with my brother. It's called the First Podcast Radio. And I actually started back in 2015. I started back in 2015 when Obama was president. It was during his administration. And what, I'm, I, was, what I didn't like was that uh, I didn't like where the country was heading towards. First of all, I didn't like where the country was heading. And then the second thing I, that I noticed was if you are watching cable news, you're like watching either CNN, MSNBC, MSNBC uh, or you know ABC, CBS, and then NBC2, that you're only getting a narrative. You know, you're getting, you, which, you know, is really false, you know, fake news. So I wanted to have, like, a different outlet for people, you know. I, I, what I wanted to do was spread the message of conservatism, and that's why I started the podcast. Uh, I first did it with, with a friend of mine, John Melendez, in 2015, but then in 2016, I, I, my brother stepped in, and we've been we're working on it off and on. And they, recently we've been, like, trying to create as much content as possible, but what we're trying to do is we want to spread the message of, of conservatism. You know, 
I don't think it gets out enough. And I, I've noticed that in, in social media, it's where people who are conservatives, like ourselves, are really spreading the message of, of conservatism. And it's good because it gives people a different uh, outlet to get, you know, news and current events of what's going on in our country. And especially with everything going on with the riots and, uh, you know, all the looting, it's important that we get that. Yeah, it is. I mean, really, uh, you don't hear too many uh, conservative uh, Latinos on uh, on TV uh, on TV and radio, and you certainly uh, don't hear them too much on the uh, in in South Texas. So it's great that you guys are doing it. How uh, how far is the broadcast or the podcast? I mean, how many? Uh, how far is the reach? Okay, for right now we're we're reaching about a hundred people, but we're trying to grow it as much as possible. Um, we're like I said, if there's any more events, we want to go to these events and be able to. To you know, to film and, and actually let people know what's going on. So uh, you know, I'm I'm reaching out to as many people as possible so we can grow. We can grow the, the podcast, and because it's it's important, uh, George. I think it's important because you only get one one version of the news, and it's it's, it's the narrative that gets pushed out. So it, you know, people need to know exactly what's going on out there. You know, like like for example, the rally that you pointed out to. I mean, people need to see what what happened there. It was a positive experience because the media really didn't cover it. Yep. Thank you very, very much, Javier, for, for coming on the show and, and for, for doing what you're doing. I mean, I really take my hat off to you. I think we need more more uh, Latinos, more folks speaking to our community because uh, the, the narrative gets lost. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, my very good friend, Mr. Jeff Judson, uh, who uh, I have known, my gosh, since uh, we were just kids uh, back don't, in D.C. Don't, don't say the year, because then people will know. <laughs> yes, no, I won't mention it. I won't. Uh, we started, we, we, were in, we were 12 years old when we were in D.C., <laughs> but uh, Jeff has written a fantastic letter, an open letter to Governor Greg Abbott here in Texas. And uh, it uh, it's a letter regarding COVID-19. And uh, my friends, I mean, it is a fantastic, uh, very, very well thought out, very well expressed letter that I wanted him to talk to us about. Uh, recently, uh, on Tuesday, the uh, San Antonio Express here in San Antonio, here in here in town, um, had a headline banner about COVID hurting uh, the hotel industry. And uh, I'm sorry, my friends, but uh, you know the COVID industry, the the COVID scare uh, has been a product, in my opinion, of uh, the news and uh, the politicians. And I wanted to get. Uh, uh, Jeff, I want to get Jeff's take on it uh, regarding this letter and uh, what he uh, what he thinks about it. Uh, Jeff, thank you for taking time to be with us. Tell me first about this letter. What in, what inspired you to write it, and uh, what you uh, intend to accomplish with it? Thank you, George. Well, I just saw so clearly that this that our response to the coronavirus, our government response to the coronavirus was hollowing out the middle class and just ruining the, uh, the finances and the health of people all in the United States, certainly, but really, you know, even across the world, um, and in Texas. And what I saw was that it was, there was no acknowledgement of all of the other negative health effects that our response to coronavirus is causing. Um, the people losing their health insurance, um, you know, cancer not being diagnosed because the, um, because the, the, the non-emergency procedures were put on hold. You couldn't, you weren't getting screened. So there's going to be more people dying of cancer because of that. Uh, and to, and suicide and just on and on and on and there's no acknowledgement of that and it's because of a of a basic Saul Alinsky um, 
situation that we find ourselves trapped in, the coronavirus has been hyper-politicized, and so our government leaders now find themselves in a box where they um, are being judged on just that one number. You know, how many cases, how many coronavirus cases are there, and how many deaths? And of course, you know, how do you define a case, um, and how do you define a coronavirus death is, that's a whole other issue. Those numbers are grossly inflated, but um, people, the politicians are being judged on their success, and they're always going to fail because their political opponents will, you know, every death is the failure of Donald Trump or of Greg Abbott or, or what have you. They, that person shouldn't have died. If you had just shut down the economy even more, you know, maybe that person would have lived. But we've got to get out of this box, and our government officials need to let us be in charge of our own health, as we have been all throughout history, up until the coronavirus. We know we know what the risks are, and it, we know if we live with an elderly parent or go see them, or if we have underlying health problems, we need to be very careful. We need to wear a mask. We need to do whatever whatever us, our doctor, feel is important to do. But by these one-size-fits-all mandates to close down restaurants, bars, hotels, airlines, etc., cetera, uh, we are creating more misery than we're preventing. It, it, and it just it's yeah, it really is, you know, uh, I mean, uh, yesterday when I went to uh, lunch uh, with a couple of friends of mine, uh, you know, while we're walking around in the restaurant, we have to wear a mask. When we sit down, we don't have to wear a mask. Uh, it, it, it boggles the mind, the uh, the illogical uh, approach that we've taken on, on this stuff. Uh, it just we boggles know, the mind. Yes, we all know how absurd it is. I mean, um, I saw... A, a woman in the grocery store the other day that had a mask that she had made herself apparently and it was a, a thin little uh, you know elastic strap and the, the mask was a kind of like a bridal veil material it just kind of hung in front of her in front of her mouth and it wasn't attached to the bottom and I just thought you know that mask is 100% compliant uh, but obviously doesn't do anything but it, that's the absurdity of it is that they don't really care what kind of mask you wear just as long as you're wearing it but it kind of begs the question why well, you know why is that and uh, Anthony Fauci said it at one point early on back when he was saying that masks were not uh, necessary before they were uh, he said the only thing that masks did was they showed compliance on the part of the people, and he thought that was a good thing. Well, <laughs> I think that's really what masks are about, more than spreading, stopping the spread of germs. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, uh, you talked a little bit about the depression issue. Uh, my own elderly brother passed away in, in uh, April, Um because of depression, because he was in a nursing home and, and nobody could go see him and he didn't understand what was going on. And, uh, you know, he, he his depression just took a toll on his heart. However, when his death certificate came in and I looked at it and uh, viewed the reasoning, it was, uh, they, uh, they, they said it was COVID related and it clearly was not. I mean, I talked to the doctors, I talked to everyone, it was, you know, it was COVID related in the in the fact that it was not. Uh, uh, I mean that it uh, that we couldn't go see him because everybody was scared, but uh, that he had the illness. It had nothing to do with him. How do I mean? When are we able? Are we able, ever going to be able to uh, to get you know hard statistics, real facts about um, you know the deaths and and the illnesses on this on this matter? Well, and you know. Those statistics have been floating around for a long time. Um, the CDC put out a statistic um, just within the last few days that showed that fewer than 7% of all of the coronavirus deaths uh, were, um, were, I 
caused exclusively by coronavirus. Um, 90, over 90% of the deaths had other contributing factors. And these could have been, you were in a car accident and you died of internal bleeding, but if you had coronavirus, it's listed as a coronavirus death. <laughs> and um, this was on um, Tucker Carlson last night. He mentioned us. But uh, I, I think he also said that the CDC has now taken that down. No, no, no. It was Twitter. It was somebody retweeted it, retweeted it and maybe the president of the United States, and um, and Twitter, like, you know, stopped that tweet, tweet from going out because, and this is quoting CDC data. So we all see this. It's, it's, it's just crazy, and it's got to stop. I sit um, in an office where I can see Loop 410, and I see a lot of uh, funeral motorcades going down the highway. And generally, it's the, the police motorcycle, the hearse, the, uh, the, the car with the family in it, and another police motorcycle. It's so sad because nobody can go to funeral. Yeah, right. Uh, nobody can go to see their loved ones dying in the hospital. Yep. Uh, a friend of ours lost her mother, I mean, I'm sorry, her, her father and her husband one day apart Wow. hospital supposedly from coronavirus and and they couldn't they, they said goodbye to them on FaceTime wow and that's just that's that's outrageous that's just, that really is outrageous that is so so horrible wow. uh, here in the closing minute um what uh, what are you hoping would will will come about from your from your letter? Because it's excellent, and I really uh, you know I, I uh, plan to to share it with everyone. But uh, what uh, what what do you hope happen will, will happen? Well, I would like for um, everybody who reads it to send it to the governor's office and the lieutenant governor and tell them that they agree with the agree with it, and this needs to come to an end. Um, We've been having a hard time getting a email address for the governor. Um, they don't make it easy to send them emails, um, but um, but to call and hopefully we'll um, soon have a website that where we'll post these letters and um, and and an, and an email where the governor can get them. But uh, that's what I'd like is for because. It isn't just my voice, but it needs to be a lot of people's voices telling them they agree this needs to come to an end. Let us get back Amen. living our lives. Open up the economy. Uh, let us try to start earning back all of the money that we've lost over the last four months um, so that we can try to get our lives back. Exactly. I mean, free up the economy, please. Yeah. Give us our freedom. Jeff, thank you very much for taking time today to be with us. Uh, any th closing thoughts that you'd like to share with us? No, but thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know, it's um, it's people like you that get the, the real news out. You're not going to get it from watching CNN. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Once again, my friends, we've been talking with my good friend Jeff Judson. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 9.30 a.m. The Answer. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we've got uh, our very good friend, Dave Ray, from the 
uh, Federation for Immigration for Federation for American Immigration Reform in Washington D.C. and I uh, wanted to get him on here because uh, there have been some uh, situations lately that um, really, really kind of in, enforce, really, really bring to mind the importance of law enforcement at the border as well as internal. And uh, Dave, I, I was looking at this uh, this uh, 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 press release that was done by Fair um, regarding the Los Angeles County Department Department Sheriff's Department that they have not honored twenty five thousand twenty five thousand right. requests for release of criminal aliens to federal authorities. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, LA County is. Uh has the, the nation's, for county, the nation's largest county prison system. California is a sanctuary state, so what's going on in L.A. County is honestly just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, they refuse to honor any ICE requests, and in plain English, what this means, any detainers, ICE detainers, what that means is that if somebody is captured in L.A. County committing a crime and they're an illegal immigrant or a criminal alien, after they serve their time, ICE would flag that person to the L.A. County uh, Sheriff's Department or, or the jails and say, hold on to them, give us, you know, hold on to them for 48 hours, we will come in and pick them up from you and remove them from the country so they do not pose any danger, again, to U.S. citizens. L.A. County, uh, because of California's state law being a sanctuary state, will not honor those detainers and releases those folks right back onto the streets, just like we did with Kate Steinle in San Francisco. And so that is a sad state of affairs, and it shows that the uh, political posturing associated with, you know, mass immigration outweighs public safety in the minds of some of our elected officials. And it's really very sad because, you know, uh, San Diego is happening, uh, the very same thing is happening on a smaller scale, and they found a significant portion of the folks who were being released from the San Diego County jails were recommitting crimes against immigrants and against U.S. citizens. This is not something that should be happening it underscores the importance of interior enforcement and the, the, the role that ICE plays in safeguarding the homeland, and it's an outrage. Uh, you know, this situation with, uh, with uh, the Kate Steinle case um, really drove home about um, uh, how releasing an illegal alien, uh, you know, how it can really impact on, uh, on the safety of people. Uh, I was reading that yesterday there was the announcement from ICE uh, that there were 2,000 arrests in a six-week period um, that uh, focused on criminal uh, convictions and charges of illegal aliens. 2,000, I mean, you know, and I'm sure that that's just scratching the surface, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just one more point about what's going on in L.A. County, and then I'll address your uh, what, what you just asked, George. But we said there were 25,000 criminal aliens released. And these are not folks who were pulled over for jaywalking or refusing to pay a parking ticket. 11,500 of these detainees uh, were, were being held for crimes ranging from murder to sex offenses. So these are serious crimes that these people are being allowed back onto the streets because of our, because California has gone soft on on illegal uh, immigration. In terms of what ICE did recently, I mean, that simply underscores how important interior enforcement is. You know, once an illegal alien or a criminal alien gets past that thin green line on the border and they get into the interior of the country, then if we don't have ICE there uh, doing interior enforcement, checking the workplace to make sure people aren't hiring illegal immigrants, um, you know, when when vans full of, of, of aliens are pulled over and uh, it's suspected that they're here illegally, you know, breaking up child smuggling rings or, uh, you know, women being smuggled for sex trade, 
Uh, there's all sorts of things that are going on in the interior of the country that ICE uh, needs to be there to intercept. And as you know, uh, there's a big push on the left to defund ICE, I mean, along with every other form of law enforcement. People need to keep that in mind, George, because, you know, if, if immigrants know that illegal immigrants know that that's all they need to do is get past the Border Patrol and then they're home free, that, that's a huge incentive. It is. To, you know, to give it a try. And if, if, you, if you don't have ICE, you don't have people monitoring uh, the I-9s, which all of us have to fill out when we, you know, uh, get a job. We don't have anybody monitoring the workplace. And so immigrants will know that they can come and they can, illegal immigrants will know that they can come and they can get American jobs. And that's a bad situation for the American worker, and it's a bad situation for public safety. Wow. You know, this, uh, the, 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 uh, again, getting back to the situation in Los Angeles, um, the uh, the number of of, uh, of uh, folks who were uh, you know who were released and uh, do they even know uh, if any of these people were were felons or uh, sex offenders? I mean, why why I don't understand why they would be you know uh, why they would refuse to turn over uh, all, you know folks who are murderers and sex offenders. Well, you know because they don't take. Uh, these things, you know, the immigration issue has been so politicized that it's actually kind of like an indicator of how woke they are, is how willing they are to, you know, turn turn a blind eye to immigration, uh, to, to crimes being committed by immigrants, and how they uh, value making a political stand about immigration over the safety of the public. They are sworn to protect. And as I said, you know, in 2019, uh, ICE issued 11,500 detainers for people who had committed crimes ranging from murder to sex offenses, and those folks were released. And let me remind you, George, you know, California is a sanctuary state, so is Washington State, and so is Oregon. So the entire West Coast is a you know, a sanctuary territory that uh, illegal aliens know if they get in there, they are home free. There is no cooperation. On top of that, there's there's another 530 sanctuary cities across the country. These have just exploded since the election of Donald Trump because people are wanting to make a political statement about this. And like I said, putting the safety uh, and welfare of criminal aliens ahead of that of the U.S. public. Uh, it's amazing. Again, it, you know, uh, it, it is shocking that, uh, you know, in this presidential race, that um, the issue of sanctuary communities, sanctuary cities of, uh, of uh, a- criminal aliens uh, hasn't been raised. Hasn't been raised in my. I, I did not hear it in the uh, Democrat convention at all. I mean, you know, I didn't. Yeah, well, even... I mean, what we heard in the Democrat convention, and what we've heard from uh, the, the candidates on that ticket uh, is, you know, talk of an amnesty for eleven thousand five hundred illegal immigrants. Talking about decriminalizing. Kamala Harris came out strongly for decriminalizing illegal immigration. Talk about something that blows up in your face. You decriminalize illegal immigration. You might as well just be ringing the door dinner bell at the, at the border because people are going to be rushing in. I mean, what is the Border Patrol supposed to do? And imagine the morale of the men and women in green who are putting their life on the line every day to try to ensure that terrorists and narcotics and child smugglers and sex traffickers and, and the like are not coming into the country, and then we go and decriminalize illegal immigration. So, you know, if Joe Biden has his way, uh, he has said he is going to offer an amnesty to 11 million illegal aliens in the United States, then they won't need sanctuary policies because everybody here, virtually everybody here, will then be a legal resident. Wow. Soon voting for Democrats. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me. Uh, we have enough criminals, homemade criminals. Why are we importing more? 
we do a very good job of creating American-born criminals on our own. We don't need to be importing anymore. Exactly. Um, here in the last minute, uh, tell us how uh, people can follow uh, FAIR and where they can contribute to you guys. Well, FAIR is the nation's oldest uh, and premier uh, immigration watchdog group. We've been around for the last 40-plus years. We're located in Washington, D.C., right on Capitol Hill. Check us out on the web at fairus.org, on Facebook at Federation for American Immigration Reform, or on Twitter at hashtag fairimmigration. Join fair, join the fight to regain control of our borders and our future. Excellent. Thank you very much, uh, George Rodriguez, uh, El Conservador, and we've been speaking with our good friend Dave Ray from the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Thanks, Dave. You bet, George. Have a great day. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, thank you for being with us uh, on today's show, my friends. I appreciate all of the uh, support that everybody gives me uh, and uh, for our show. If you're interested, my friends, please go to our Facebook page. El Conservador, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, or go to, um, uh, there's also a news media page that I have called New George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Uh, please uh, email me or uh, send me a message. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, the other thing is, my friends, let's uh, please, please, please keep it in mind that uh, we need uh, to fight back at the local level. We need to fight back. I mean, I keep hearing constantly about what we need to do to uh, to stop the sanctuary communities, to stop the uh, the war on the police. My friends, what you need to do is elect local politicians that support the Constitution, that support law and order. That's what you need to do. You need to do it locally. You need to act locally to impact globally. Remember that. You need because the defense of freedom and liberty and law and order it starts at the local level. It starts at the local level at the voting booth. That's where it starts. So, once again, my friends, thank you for being with us. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer.